0: Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, literally wherever you get your podcast from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Friday final podcast of the week, I've been saying we're gonna- going going to have a special guest. And we do. We were going to, I was going to do top five moments in franchise history, which we can all pick different ones. And there's, you know, it's kind of small given the history of this team. One moment though, comes up a lot. And that is the Chris Paul return game. And in particular, Jason Smith hip checking Blake Griffin. Well, he's going to join the show to talk about it. So instead we're just going to focus on the interview with him and that specific moment. it was a very cool interview. So Let's just dive right on into it in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. Joining me now on Locked on Pelicans, I've got former Hornet and Pelican, Jason Smith. You can follow him on Twitter if you don't already. It's at Jason Smith 14 Jason, thanks for taking the time today.
1: What's up? How's it going, man? How's quarantine going for you?
0: You know, all things for me, as I've been telling people, could be far, far worse. I've got no complaints. <laughs> Very Everyone true. I know is healthy. Family's healthy. What about you?
1: everything's good on my end family's doing good we're just kind of going a little cabin fever crazy over here just kind of like everybody else but that's what you get to do and you got to really enjoy these moments as hard as they may be I have two kiddos five-year-old daughter and a two-year-old son and they're just bored I mean (laughs) when there's nice days outside we can get outside but for the most part when it's rainy and cold and windy outside we just we kind of hunker down inside and watch movies and thank goodness Disney Plus came out and there's (laughs) Over on onward, I think the new movie that they came out with they uh, put on Disney Plus. But no, it's been it's been really good to enjoy the family.
0: No, I'm happy to hear that. I'm sure as a, you know, a player, it's it's sometimes difficult to kind of get a lot of time with them. So I'm sure you're hopefully taking advantage of everything. Do you have any good quarantine recommendations for everyone stuck at home right now? You
1: know what, my quarantine recommendation for myself and for others who enjoy gaming, video games. I'm a Call big Duty, video game guy. Online okay. play. Online play has been my outlet. It's a way to stay in contact with friends that you don't really that you don't get to hang out with in person. Okay, dude, hop online, play a couple games with them, catch up with them. There's a lot of FaceTiming going on. There's a lot of Zoom calls. Yeah, going a lot, on. a lot of
0: these right now, right? But uh, <laughs>
1: I've been on probably three, four, five different Zoom calls of birthday parties and family get-togethers. And it gets a little chaotic, but it can. You, you learn to deal with it. And it's actually a lot of fun to see how everybody's doing, how everybody's holding up to this quarantine.
0: Yeah, I'm sure as you and I are on Zoom, this will be just audio on the podcast. We've got the beards going right now. And I haven't like trimmed the side down on this for what, seven, eight weeks now, whatever it is. It's
1: been rough. Quarantine haircut needs so, to I mean, come see, like, soon yeah, enough. This. My <laughs> hair is just,
0: oh, I need a haircut. That is probably, I need, you know how like when they're talking about restarting the NBA season and they're saying players need five, six weeks to kind of get back in shape, warmed up, ready to go before they play, whatever it is. Look, just as like a regular person, I need like two weeks, drop a little bit of weight, get a haircut, shave a little bit more so that when I go back to my day job in the office, I'm not looking like this, I think.
1: That's what's so crazy is that they're talking so many different scenarios of where they're going to play the games, how much time do they need to get players back in shape. Because a lot of these guys, a lot of these guys do not have access to any basketball they
0: said that it's kind of surprising that, you know, thinking about that there's people, just regular people who may have picked up a basketball more recently than certain guys did. And Chris Paul the other day said it. He said he hasn't shot a basketball since layup lines the day they postponed the season, that game between Oklahoma City and the Jazz. And yeah. it's kind of wild to think about that, you know, whatever basketball we are going to get, whether it's a shortened regular season, some weird playoff format, might not be the best basketball we've ever seen.
1: It absolutely won't be the best basketball, but it'll be something to kind of put a close to the season. It'll give some finalization to some teams. But at the same point, is there going to be an asterisk by some of these championship banners? Is that going to happen? I think it's it's a good possibility that there's going to be like, oh, well, they won the championship, but... Quarantine breaking the season. Everybody was healthy. Uh, There's there's going to be so much discussion, and it's going to keep those ESPN
0: analysts going. (laughs) It keeps it helps create contact content for for everyone else. Speaking of Chris Paul, you played with him here in New Orleans, uh, his final year, your first year here. What was it like playing with him, just as a teammate?
1: Absolutely a floor general.
0: He knew exactly where everybody should be. He
1: knew how to get people open, how to get them their shots. He was an assist. Man, he'd, he yep. could care less about scoring. He wanted to get his teammates involved and get them scoring. And for me, when the, the few moments that I was on the floor with him, I didn't know I was open when he <laughs> knew I was open. So the fact that he just – he he knows every little detail about the game and it's so much fun to play with a person and when you're superstar – puts that much time into the game, it only makes your team that much better. And obviously we went to the playoffs that that year.
0: And he was in the playoffs basically like a superhero. He had that – you know, that series went six games against the Lakers basically with – you know, not single-handedly. Everyone contributed on that. But he had the triple-double. I think it was in game four or five that extended the series. Uh, You guys won the first game on the road in L.A., which isn't the easiest thing to do. That was a really fun impressive team i think for you know the group of people that kind of was retooled a little bit on the fly in the middle of the season and the start of the year too
1: absolutely and it was very very tough because we had lost david west that year i think yep. and it was carl Landry was stepping into that position and it was a big big shoot to fill especially with david west um i mean going against the lakers that was the lakers of like the showtime lakers they were they were winning championships then yep so they for had, us to won meet them two, in the first round in a row yeah it was it was a rough matchup for us in the first round. <laughs> But we held our own. And if we didn't have Chris, there was no chance we were going to. And if we did have David West,
0: hey. That uh, series is probably entirely different, different, at least, right? You know, six games mm-hmm. without him is pretty good. And, you know, adding a guy like that in would have been, uh, you know, an awesome thing. And so that season was the last year for both of those guys here. David West left as a free agent, which everyone was kind of fine with. No one had a big problem with yeah. that. What was it like with... Because you were on the team the next year with Chris Paul, who asked for a trade, which I think everyone kind of understood, was traded to the Lakers. That trade was rescinded, not really happened, Mm -hmm. you know, that whole thing. And then had to come back to the team. And it was training camp during that time. You know, New Orleans went through a a similar-ish situation with Anthony Davis, you know, uh, last season where he wanted out and really tried to force his way out. And then the rest of the team is still there with him. Everyone said the right thing, saying it's fine. He's part of the team. He's one of us. It's no big deal. What was it like, though, being in the locker room when something like that happens when you have a guy who's like, I want out?
1: You know what? That was the craziest situation going from the offseason. There was a lockout. There was... Mm-hmm. I was yet to get signed. We were coming out of a lockout, and there was lots of speculation like, is Chris going to get traded? Is, are we going to resign him? Da-da-da-da-da. And so happens that he leaves the team and we have a whole different team after that. And you just have, when that trade got rescinded, it's like this haze when they come in the gym, like, Oh, this guy doesn't want to be here. But I think overall in the locker room, we kind of knew and Chris had had expressed it to us that he wanted to go to a bigger market. It was this time Mm -hmm. in his, his career that he was ready to take that big step. And, and that's what all NBA players eventually end up doing when they when they're a superstar caliber they want to go to the larger markets and and try and cash in on their opportunities because us as professional athletes we're not going to get these opportunities five years ten years down the road if there's an opportunity you kind of have to take take a hold of it and run with it and I think Chris is on that and it's tough for small market teams to really compete with these big market teams because they just have more money they have bigger crowds they I mean personally I'm a small market team guy I love the small mm-hmm. markets. I love the, the intimate feel of the fans and getting to know the season ticket holders at season ticket holder events. And it's usually the same group of people that comes to games. It's not a, it's not a revolving door of fans coming through the game. It's, it's a lot of fun to get to know the people that are watching you play these games.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And so it, it's interesting though, because I think the fans tend to kind of like revolt against a player like that. You know, the backlash against Anthony oh, Davis was, was great. And I get that. And you, I think they kind of expect the players in the locker room to do the same thing. And it's just not like that at all. It's like a different mentality of like you and other guys kind of get it for everything. And it seems to make a lot of sense. So I've always found that kind of interesting that yeah, everyone's just kind of cool with it and get that, you know, it's a bit of a a business and you've, like you said, you got to make the most of uh, the opportunities for everything. And like you were on the, what you were on the team with Anthony Davis or my guy, i no, I got the year right. You were here for part of, you know, when all of that was kind of going on in New Orleans.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was uh it was a crazy time. Cause that was the, the two months that I had gotten to come back with the team. Yeah. Anthony was still with the team, but there was a ton of trade rumors and the, I was seeing it from afar. And then I got into the situation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: AD's a great guy. He's a competitor. He's unworldly skilled at his position very much he's a he's a multi all-star he's a perennial all-star he's he's an amazing player but for him he tried to maximize his potential in getting to a larger market and possibly playing with a LeBron James and it didn't happen at the trade mm-hmm. deadline but then as the season progressed he he was going to sit out some games and then he decides he wants to come back and play games because it's it's not going to do him any good just sitting out games. The crowd no, is no going right? to continue to boo him, and it's it's bad. So he finally starts playing games, and the crowd starts booing him. But after he's scoring like 25 points, 10 rebounds, 12 rebounds, the crowd's like oh, – Boo, yeah, let's
0: go. It was the weirdest, weirdest thing. He, it's a weird thing. First couple times he touched the ball, it was massive boos raining down on him yep. in that first game that he played kind of after the trade deadline when he was here in New Orleans, not going anywhere till the offseason. And then he would do his, you know, like you said, he's ridiculously good. He'd score, it'd be impressive, and the crowd would start to cheer for him. He'd yeah. touch the ball again, it'd be a boo, and then he'd score yep. again and you'd cheer because the yep. fans still want to see games kind of be won, so... It's interesting to kind of see that dynamic, but it's, yeah, it was weird. And now you've kind of been a part of two of that uh, twice here in New Orleans, I guess.
1: Yeah, it's, it's tough because New Orleans is a great place. And I think the next player that they need to hold on to and, and hold on to tightly is Zion. <laughs> of gotta course. you got to keep that guy there. He is a showstopper. He's an entertainer. It's amazing what he can do. As long as he can stay healthy and stay on that floor. It's going to be fun for New Orleans.
0: Yeah, what have you seen from – have you watched much of him in the limited games we've seen him play this year? And what have your thoughts been on him? I
1: did. I was really sad to see him get that injury right in the beginning of the season and not allow him to start the full, whole, I don't know, 30-some-odd games that he missed. And for him, he's extremely athletic. I think everybody can say that. But the fact that he – He was stronger than everybody in high school and in college. You think that when you get into the professional level, he's not going to do what he was doing then. He was still ripping the ball (laughs) away from guys and rebounds. I was watching some of his highlights the other day, and he just ripped the ball away from him and go up and and get an M1 layup, go back Mm -hmm. to the free throw line, miss the free throw, get his own rebound, go up for another layup. It's it's just – and he wasn't doing it against like the second or third team guys. He did it against Giannis. He did it a couple games against – golden state back-to-back plays it's just the thing that he does gets people in stands it makes you want to watch the basketball and the style of basketball that he plays and I think that the trade that they got from the Lakers players coming to the Pelicans and and adding Zion it only makes it that much more fun to watch when having Brandon Ingram blossom into an all-star year it's one of those things that hey they got they got this one right
0: Yeah. And look, and you've seen Lonzo Ball and Zion develop a lot of chemistry and you're seeing Lonzo Ball kind of live up to being that second overall pick and putting some of, you know, the things that have plagued him in the past, you know, in Mm -hmm. behind him now. And I think that's been good too. So we'll continue talking to Jason Smith and, of course, that infamous game against Blake Griffin, and he's got some insight you've never heard about all of that. But before we do that, today's show brought to you by Postmates. Postmates is a great app to have on your phone, especially during the quarantine right now when you just want some food and maybe you just want it delivered and you want your favorite restaurant that you've been missing, and Postmates is the perfect way to do it, whether it's an early morning breakfast burrito, 12-pack of beers in the evening as you wind down. Sometimes you just need what you need delivered fast, and that's where Postmates 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 comes in. been using it constantly. I'm trying to kick as much business as I can to all of my favorite restaurants that I'm not able to go eat at in person right now. And this is a great way. Order, take out, keep them going. It is a great thing. But Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers, sushi, pizza. They actually make my life easier with grocery delivery or whatever I can think of delivery too. Convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it. So you don't need to go to the store and you shouldn't necessarily be going to the store right now. You don't need to worry about anything post Postmates. Postmates can handle it. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android, find your favorites, and get anything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates has given our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app, use promo code LOCKEDONNBA. That's code LOCKEDONNBA for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. We'll we'll get to what I really wanted to talk about in a moment, but but this makes me think. So, as as you know, an NBA player, you know, you mentioned that it's tough for small market to kind of bring people in to keep people. Would you look at a team like this and go, "Oh, I want to play for that team because they have all of these guys there," or there need to be kind of more going on to be you know almost like a destination franchise in the NBA for New Orleans?
1: You know, I think they're doing a really good job of revamping the front office. putting a lot of money into the facilities um, the ownership has said that they want to make this a destination for, for off season mm-hmm. acquisitions. And I think that the team that's great to model that after would be the Milwaukee bucks, small market team. Yeah. They put a ton of money into build, building a brand new arena, building a brand new practice facility. They have top notch trainers, athletic people. It's it's top notch from top to bottom. Yeah. I, and you've been, been there. Been a so part you've of seen it like, like firsthand. Yeah. It was amazing. Their practice facility is probably the best in the NBA. The technological, technological aspect of it is just top notch. The trainers they go above and beyond the strength coaches, they go above and beyond. They do anything and everything to help you succeed and also push you to make you your best self up there. And it's, it's something that I think a lot of NBA teams can model after. And I think Mm -hmm. New Orleans is getting there. Um, the fact that they have such a young core group yeah. is a lot of promise and a lot of upside to, to free agents wanting to come down. I think J.J. Reddick showed that he yeah, saw that was, potential.
0: That was a statement, I thought. You know, that's a guy who has a big playoff streak going on that he he takes a lot of pride in, wants to keep that going. He's kind of thought of as like a consummate professional isn't going to want to waste a year or two of his career. So bringing him down here, you know, the Duke contingent probably helps a little bit with that. I did notice that there was a lot of Duke players down here. It's transitioned from Kentucky to, to Duke basically overnight. (laughs) Um, So it's been interesting to kind of see that, but no, you, you make a very good point of, you know, especially for a, a lot of other guys you want to extend your career, I would imagine. So having the infrastructure to help guys do that is probably a huge draw. Absolutely.
1: And the science behind today's basketball is all
0: about recovery, recovery, recovery.
1: And the more you can help your players feel good out there and their body feel good, the more and better potential you're going to get out of them. And I think that's a big key for a lot of NBA organizations. And that's just the medical science taking leaps and bounds of the vibrating foam rollers and the hypervolts right. and all these, these things that players are using on the benches. And you're like, man, what is he using? Man, I need to use that because my back hurts from sitting in the chair at work all day <laughs> and man the NBA players use it. Let me use it. So it's, it's one of those things that's really cool is to see the scientific advances and it's, it's only going to help everybody in the long run.
0: No. And that seems like the way to kind of do it. it you know, they, David Griffin who's running the team now has basically said, there's, there are few places where you can get a competitive edge And having a guy like Aaron Nelson who came over from the Suns kind of gives you that and like wearable technology and all of that. And they've started to integrate that. So it's nice to hear that that's high on a list of what you want to see a franchise doing it. And the team is trending in that direction with a lot of the like revamping of basically everything going on right now. All right, coming up, we talk about that infamous night where he hip-checked Blake Griffin and kind of what went into all of that, and he gives us some details you've never heard before. So stick around. Coming up, talking more with Jason Smith. But before, don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. There's nothing going on right now, and we're giving you this amazing interview with a former player getting insight you can't get anywhere else. So make sure you subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. So... I want to talk about a specific night, you know, with you and your career here in New Orleans when it was still the Hornets. I've been doing like a top five moments of like franchise history, and when I was talking to people about what some of their top moments are, your night against the Clippers in the Chris Paul return game and Blake Griffin is regularly in the top five as like an exciting moment, a fun game. I, you know, I. I The thing that people watched and really remembered, you know, we touched on Chris Paul asking out, coming back, then leaving, but doing it in somewhat of a proper manner, I think. But I think it still hurt a lot of fans here in New Orleans, you know, because he had spent a good six, seven years here. In that return game, though, the tensions were high. And we kind of even saw it this past year with Anthony Davis making his return after the trade to the Lakers, the the offseason. was that game leading up to it any different for you than another game was? Were you kind of all aware of what was going on and kind of the emotional stakes going into that one? Oh, absolutely. It was,
1: it was one of those <laughs> games where you knew exactly who you were playing. You knew when they were coming into town. You, you might have had a couple games before that that you kind of overlooked going into the Clippers game. Okay. And for me, I, I was a guy that was – very loyal to my coach and, and Monty Williams and mm-hmm. I would have done anything for that guy and he got my mindset so riled up and I was so psyched <laughs> to play this game because Chris Paul was coming back into town it was his first game back in town but at the same point he had they had that championship caliber team coming in with DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin and yep. Chris Paul and Matt Barnes and Reggie Evans and like it was a really really good team over there so my mindset going this is gonna be a battle. Because we're not the best team ever, but we got to hold down our home court, and we cannot let Chris Paul get a win out back his first time in New Orleans. So that was my mindset going into it. And plus, having to go against Blake Griffin is yep. hard enough as it is. <laughs> like the man was a monster then. He was dunking all over people. He was just – was, he was scary. This was before he had his injury after injury after injury. Yeah, this, this, this is prime like prime Blake Griffin just smashing all over people dunking highlights ESPN all the time so I had the mentality all right this is going to be a fight tonight this is going to be a a really really tough physical game not only with Blake with DeAndre keeping him off the boards but we went throughout the game and it was a battle back and forth and it was like I kind of figured it was very very physical and Blake and I were throwing shots at each other and I wasn't allowing them to dunk all over people and I was that guy that was just kind of trying to hold down the defense as much as I could and prevent as many as those highlight dunks. <laughs> so we were going back and forth throughout the game, and I, I just remember the play of they got a steal, and I, I watched the, the replay of it a couple times, and I just shot like a bullet out of a gun, sprinting full speed, full court, I saw Blake was in transition. I was like, "Oh, there's no way this guy's getting a dunk."
0: It's it but, would have been a highlight dunk that would have like oh, defined define the game. That would have been the moment that is played over and over and over again. Chris Paul return. Uh, it was I think it was your turnover that led to that fast break and, too. It was
1: too. Got, to, got so to throw that out like, there. Oh, I get back on defense. <laughs> so I'm sprinting back on defense. I was gonna try and cut in front of him, and. When his shoulder dipped and my shoulder dipped, I was like, oh, this ain't going to be good. This is good. Oh, <laughs> gosh, this ain't going to be good because he's a big guy, and I don't want to get yeah. trucked, and I don't want to get trucked by him. So I hit him, and when I hit him, I was like, oh, no. So I kind of put my hands up and was like, oh, I didn't mean to do that. didn't mean to do that, but it looked
0: like I killed the man on replay he went flying and look we all know blake that one was just a hard hit of two big dudes going full speed like he didn't really flop on that one i don't think and his brawny kind of like sprawled out and it got the crowd into it though it really did it really
1: did and the thing was that this was the time of the saint's and the bounty gate. So I got lumped in with that
0: stuff. <laughs> I the media was going yeah. all
1: over me. And Jay, Jay Leno put me on Tonight Show saying that the Saints coaches were giving me bounty money because Blake was in town. And I was like, man, this is getting taken way out of proportion. This is it's crazy. But the fact that it happened on Chris Paul's return, I mean, the energy level in the house was electric. It was one of those memories that you just remember forever.
0: And yeah. it's something that I'll never forget, obviously. So so after it all happened, you know, it obviously wasn't meant to be a dirty play. You seemed pretty happy, though, with how it went. So they, they ejected you from it for, what, a flagrant two, I think. Oh, and absolutely. When And when you walked out, I remember this. I was still covering the team at the time, but I sit in the stands. You had your arms up pumping, pumping the arena up on all of that. I didn't I didn't want to let my energy deflate the building. Like the fact that I
1: had gotten ejected from the game deflate the building. I wanted to keep the crowd going. And at the time, I think I might have blacked out a little bit from the moment. <laughs> okay. And I was still going and I was still huffing and puffing. And I remember coaches trying to calm me down. And I knew I was going to get ejected because that was a really hard foul.
0: Yeah, like so no then, matter what, dirty or not, they that type of hit, you're not going to be in the game.
1: Oh, absolutely. So I was gone. I was in the locker room. So walking back through the tunnel, I was pumping up the crowd to try and keep them going because – the, the chances of, of us winning that game after that were slim to none.
0: Yeah. Well, what? So it was, you all won that game though, right? It was 97 90, I think. And um, so you knew that just keeping the crowd into this and this like emotional return just had to be done? Had to be done. Had to be done. I was basically the sacrificial lamb. They Well, led to a win in what was a big game. So that is, I I dig it. I think it worked. And I think everyone, everyone still remembers this moment that just kind of one of those like weird moments in history, something that meant a lot. And for a city that's kind of gone through now two superstars and Chris Paul and Anthony Davis wanting to leave. You know, the motto and the slogan for this season is won't bow down, you, you know, which ties into some history of New Orleans. But there's clearly a bit Absolutely. of a shot at LeBron James being the king in all of this, too. And yeah. that moment that you had kind of embodies that, I think, a little bit. A team that at the time significantly better than the team you were on. And yeah. you were not scared to go up against them and weren't going to back down, you know, in that sort of moment, I think. So I think that's one of the reasons it really resonates. And I think that's what sports are all about.
1: You want to go against the best. You want to try and beat the best. And it was already, they were already one of the top teams in the Western mm-hmm. Conference. To go against them, plus have the added emotional energy of having Chris Paul come back into the building and the, the media hubbub about it. It was just a fun time. You're the underdog. You go out there and fight as hard as you can. Win or lose, you leave it out there all on the floor. And that's what I did. And I definitely left it out there all on the floor.
0: Yeah, definitely with, with a couple minutes uh, to go and everything too, I think. No, it's just, it's a cool moment. Like when I think about, you know, moments in the franchise and I've covered the team for 10 years now, 10 plus years, that's really high up there. So I appreciate you taking the time to come on and like talk about that night uh, so how would it all get resolved? I think you're suspended 2 games for all of that. Did you ever reach out to Blake to just apologize anything like that and, you know, so you know
1: what it was, it was a 3 game suspension okay. and it was funny because I was hoping for a 2 game suspension. However, we played the Clippers I going to say again, 3 mm-hmm. games. So yep. they suspended me just for the fact that they had a team that was ready to Really come after me because they thought I went after their superstar intentionally, which completely false. I was right. just caught up in the moment, <laughs> so they kept me out for basically my safety, and I appreciate the NBA for that, although yeah, it was a very hefty chunk out of my paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> me not making the most money, I was like, "Ooh, I don't think I ever want to do that again." But <laughs> it was a it was an amazing time, uh, and then moving forward from that, it just kind of let everybody know, hey, this guy's not going to take that kind of abuse down low. He's not going to let you get any free, free buckets, and it's, it's going to be a tough night anytime you go against Jason Smith.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And there's, there's a reason you're still beloved here in the city, and it's really because of that and that style of play and that attitude. And, you know, for, for your role on the team, having that mindset I think is a wonderful thing and things that NBA franchises are looking for, and that really does resonate with a lot of people. So it was cool to hear your thoughts on that night, what went into all of that, and on everything else going on. Uh, so jason i appreciate you taking the time today no problem jake anytime you want to have me on we can talk about basketball anytime we'll definitely do the skip we can throw some video game talk too so i'm down with that too especially since we're all stuck inside and everything so we'll have a lot of fun with this there we go exactly we gotta kind of fill the content in the airwaves somehow with it all but there you go everybody jason smith on one of the top moments in franchise history So there you have it. We don't need to go into any other top moments in franchise history when you've got Jason Smith on here talking about that specific one, one we all remember very well and people still talk about, very much so to this day. I was not joking about that when I've thrown this out there, what are your top moments? That comes up. Might not be number one, but it's in the top five, top ten every single time. And so to kind of hear the lead up to it from a guy who was there and then the guy mostly involved in it, pretty cool to hear as well. So big thanks to Jason Smith for coming on. You can follow him on Twitter at JasonSmith014. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. That's going to do it for this week of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter. Don't forget, listen to Rejecting the Screen with Adam Stanko and Noah Kozlov giving you some other great insight into stories around the league. Similar to this one, they do it very, very well too and they've got at least one a week coming for you all. So tell your smart device to play a podcast uh, Rejecting the Screen. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter. We'll be back with you all on Monday.